I would actually argue that museums are not in themselves important. We have an unprecedented opportunity to use new technologies to measure the impact of what we're doing and then take that data and inform uh, you know, how we will continue to iterate and, and innovate the um, experiences and the, and the kind of engagements that we have around our collections and our, our institutions and, and with our various communities. Hi, I'm Lewis Height, Senior Social Media Manager at TechSoup. Hi, I'm Ali Bizdikian, Interactive Events and Video Producer here at TechSoup. Thanks for tuning in to Get to Know, a series of audio stories that take a look at the people and places working to build a stronger nonprofit and social good sector. Today we'll discuss what steps museums can take to not only keep the lights on and the doors open, but to continue growing and changing as their community grows and changes. With us today, we have Nina Simon, Executive Director of the Santa Cruz Museum of Art and History, and Nancy Proctor, Executive Director of the MuseWeb Foundation. I think that museums have the potential to be important because they are places that connect us with each other across differences, that connect us to stories, ideas, um, creative approaches, scientific ideas that are very far outside of our own experience. Um, and they do so in places that are beautiful, warm, family-friendly, compelling places to be. However, just having the word museum on the sign does not mean that you necessarily do any of those things. And in fact, there are a lot of museums, I would say, that have made themselves unimportant by catering to only a very particular kind of person or by only sharing content that reflects a very particular worldview or by not being welcoming to the diversity of ways and people who would like to come in and what they'd like to come in for. So I don't think that any institution gets a pass just because it has the word museum. I think we have extraordinary potential and the museums that live up to that potential are doing incredible work. What do you see as the biggest challenges that a small museum is facing today? In my experience working with and talking with people in very small museums, museums with one staff member, half a staff member, no staff members, um, one of the biggest challenges, especially among historical societies, is the population of people who are deeply involved as volunteers, as donors, as staff members, um, tend to be retired. And there's a huge generation gap and a sense that, gosh, we small group of people who are in our 60s, 70s, 80s are stewarding this organization and we're not sure where the next generation of leadership is. Um, in some cases, I'm seeing organizations that are doing a beautiful job of bridging that gap. Some organizations that have always been volunteer-led are employing their first staff member ever and that staff member is a young person coming you know, into their first museum job. And while that kind of bridging is terrific, it brings up new challenges in really figuring out who is this museum for, whose rules, whose policies, whose approaches are going to govern how we do things, um, and how can we make sure that not just as many people as possible are involved, but as many people from different backgrounds, different generations, um, different perspectives can be involved so that this museum doesn't rest on the support or the leadership or guidance of any one group of people. I completely agree with what Nina just said. I think um, smaller museums in some ways have an easier time of connecting with their communities and being relevant. And there are certainly, um, you know, important paths to sustainability, if not revenue, direct revenue, um, through that kind of relevance. Um, the other kind of challenge that I think smaller museums often face is um, succession planning. 
quite often uh, smaller organizations, you know, are really led by charismatic individuals, you know, like Nina. And um, you kind of wonder uh, what's going to happen if those people leave or move on. Um, is there a large enough pool of staff that um, you know people can come on to to take on the mantle? Um, or is there even a way to sort of democratize the leadership so that it's not really very dependent on, on a single person? And a smaller museum, simply by the nature of its having fewer staff, is arguably more vulnerable to that than a larger organization, which also, the museum world, having the prejudices that it has, uh, larger museums will often attract a larger pool of talent um, when job openings come up and particularly the leadership positions than a smaller institution will. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and also um, just say that if we take a step back and recognize that when we're talking about the museum landscape, a a medium-sized museum, we're talking about a staff of around 10 to 40 or so individuals, a small one being what, under 10? I think that can be a surprising number to someone who isn't in this space. This is Nina. You know, I run a museum that when I started was seven people. We're now at 20, so we've moved from, you know, one category to another from what you just said. But I would certainly in no way presume to say that small museums are less likely to be relevant or, or important than large museums. In fact, I think that in most cases it is small museums that are doing the relevant, compelling work in their communities. And it's more likely the bigger you get, the less you become connected to what is meaningful and important in your communities. Nina, my question is, as your museum grew from a small to a medium-sized organization, if you could tell us how your relationship with the community around you changed as well, and um, how have you been able to adapt and overcome some of the challenges? We were a small museum that... um, absolutely had to pursue a more relevant, more community-engaged approach. It wasn't about whether we wanted to or not. It was that we were about to close our doors. And so I think that's one piece also I always think about in these conversations is it's not like the only reason to do this is because it would be nice to engage your community or because of altruism. If you are struggling, as we were, to engage people as visitors, as members, as donors, as supporters, um, because the people you have doing that are shrinking in number or in the amount of their support, um, you have to find another way to involve people. And so for us, our growth and transformation absolutely was rooted in the idea that we had to open ourselves up to the community, not just for feedback, um, but really as our partners in creating a new direction for the museum. So we have grown in a direction that is um, towards more and more community involvement. Um, At the same time, as we've grown, there's no question that we've gotten more systematic about how that community involvement happens. And there are good things to being more systematic, like now when somebody contacts us and says, hey, I have an idea I'd like to get involved with the museum, we usually have a good answer for them and a person to send them to and a way for them to get involved. But there's a bad version of that, which is that systematic can also mean more bureaucratic. And whereas in the very beginning, it used to be if somebody came forward and said, hey, I have an idea, we just kind of made it work however we could. Um, Now we're really trying to work those ideas and that community participation into kind of a bigger uh, institution and annual program plan and those kinds of things. 
Um, I will say that I feel comfortable with that growth for two reasons. One is we're able to involve more community partners than ever before as we've grown. So it's not like as we've grown, we've professionalized in a way where, oh, community partners can't do that anymore. Staff can do that. So we keep engaging more and more community partners. So that's one. And then the other is the more we've grown, um, the more we are also able to systematically see which community partners are we working with and who aren't we working with. So we, for example, now can dedicate a lot of resources to going out and partnering with groups from particular underrepresented communities in our county, um, as opposed to only being able to say yes to the people who are coming to us, raising their hands and saying, I want to get involved. Um, so I think that for us, what growth has meant has been not about going from a community-engaged small institution to a professionalized, less community-engaged institution, but really saying, how do you scale up this community partner model so that more people and more diverse people can keep getting involved as partners and making it happen? So a, a question I have for you, Nancy, is there new museum projects like the uh, Brown Girls Museum blog or their new museum models like the Museum of Broken Relationships. And, you know, I'm curious, what what do you think small museums, whether they're historical societies or even large museums, can learn from these newer projects? And, and overall, I wanted to ask both of you if if you feel like, you know, there, there can be a sense that museums compete against one another, that our exhibit is going up against another's. Do you think that is changing? Do you think, um, talk, talk about the change and, and the learning that is happening within the museum landscape now? Yeah, so, well, I mean, first of all, I think the work of, of groups like Brown Girl Bloggers is fantastic. Um, you know, I also really love the way that uh, both online museums and these kind of hyper-niche or specialized museums are uh, exploring what it means to be a museum and, and the different kinds of uh, engagements and, and experiences that can grow up around them. Um, in terms of collaboration, example is the Google Art Project, which launched, I guess it was around 2008 or nine or so, and, you know, it probably took a, a, you know, enormous and very well-resourced uh, organization like Google to be able to get 17 of, you know, some of them were the biggest and most kind of um, well-funded and uh, established museums in the world to collaborate on something. Um, and I, I feel like although that was, that's a far from perfect uh, project and exper experiment, it, it did at least contribute to um, a little bit more activity and a lot more discussion around collaboration. We certainly saw this in the uh, conferences and the um, essays and, and books that were and, and blogs that were being written just about how, again, we're, we're missing the network effects if we're reinventing solutions in, in our silos. Um, now I'm happy to hear some of that discussion, again, turning a bit inwards and, and recognizing how many silos can be inside an organization. Do museums see each other in the Bay Area as competition? Are there models of partnerships and collaboration that are catching your ear and eye? You know, how, how hard is it to uh, realize these? One of the things that I've been really 
intrigued by working in a smaller museum. When I worked at the Spy Museum and at Big Museums, we thought about visitors and maybe we thought about members or donors. Um, but we didn't, and, and, and volunteers, sure. But, um, but really we were focused on visitors. They were the aggregate of people. And when we talked about participation, we were talking about visitor participation. Uh, now that I work at a smaller institution, we find that while visitors are still the bulk of people coming in the door, there are many, many more people we call partners um, than I would have ever imagined. You know, in our case, with a staff of a little under 20, we're engaging about 2,000 partners a year who are co-creating programming with us, mostly as volunteers. And um, so one thing I've become very interested in is how do we shift from a model that's about you have the institution and the staff, and then maybe you have a handful of volunteers and, and key donors, and then you have the visitors, to instead thinking about this partner class of people and how do we invite more and more people to get involved as partners. And I think some of this comes out of, for a small museum in a small community, your audience is less likely to be tourists. And so if you have locals, and if you have locals in a community where people stay for a long time, you have more opportunity to get to know them over time. And so we really realized that for us um, at our museum, if our goal is to build a stronger community, that doesn't happen if you visit just once. It happens if you get involved, maybe with us, maybe with other partners who we're involved with, um, and get involved in an ongoing way in this project of building a stronger community. And so it's gotten us very curious about how much attention should we be giving to visitors versus how much attention should we be giving to partners, and maybe most importantly, how do we invite as many visitors as possible to become partners in our work? It's not just nonprofits that museums should be connecting with. And, and one of the messages that um, I'm trying to do a better job of communicating is that the commercial success of a community uh, and the businesses in it is really dependent on a thriving cultural sector. Um, and, and it goes you know, from very practical stuff like it's hard to recruit great people to work for your company if you're asking them to move to a cultural desert um, to other perhaps less tangible but I think we're starting to have the tools to measure you know the impact of uh, people feeling like your business is part of the community um, as John Alexander from the New Citizenship Project has pointed out there's a real uh, movement now away from consumer-based society um, you know where it's kind of like I'm the customer and, and, and give me what I want to people wanting to be part of things, to participate, um, to be citizens, if you will. And, and that's as much true of businesses as it is for communities and nonprofit organizations. I think that with any kind of organization, you have to think about who's the community we want to reach, what's going to feel relevant and compelling to them, and how can we invite them in on their terms, not ours.